0: The where we explore the world of numbers in a unique way. Centered around a different constant each episode, we'll chart the importance and history of this number through the mathematical landscape. Today, we are tracking the strange and elusive imaginary unit. So get ready to kick some math. I'm Eric, <laughs> and joining us on our journey, we have Alora, the Aurora Explorer.
1: Oh, Nice. <laughs>
0: Allura, I, tell us about I.
1: Oh, I, huh. I have a love-hate relationship with I from using it so much in physics, but basically uh, the square root of negative one, right? Like that's what Mm -hmm. it is, but it's called an imaginary number, which I kind of want to ask some questions about that, like where that came from, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but... I do know. Yeah,
0: we could get directly into both of those. I guess first of all, square yeah. root of
1: -1, which yeah. is
0: sort of to say if I square this thing, it's -1. Right. It's kind of uh That's its sort of deal. where it comes from, which is like how do you square something and get a negative? And mm-hmm. then you just say, "Oh, it's the square root of -1," and we'll just call it i. So and then the uh uh what was the other question about uh the name? Okay. Uh
1: Imaginary. Well you have
0: the natural numbers, and again, you might want to check out that root two video because it talks a lot about these first base things. Then we just add a little bit more to them. So we start with yeah. the natural numbers, which are just the counting numbers, one, two, three, four, and you start extending that with the integers, which just is Latin for intact, by the way. So it's basically just means the same thing it's just a are number that's in
1: natural numbers and real numbers the same thing or are those two different things
0: no you mean natural numbers and whole numbers and they're not i think technically the same thing because whole numbers are usually considered to include zero so gotcha. anyway then you extend like we did the last video to the square root of two and other irrationals mm-hmm. so this is what i was trying to say about like what integer means and what natural obviously means like The obvious numbers. You can't really argue with these numbers. They're the natural ones.
1: Yeah, give it to me straight. One, two,
0: three, four, five. Yeah, then you start adding these guys. Now we're saying the rationals, which only comes about when you start realizing that your fractions, which they kind of just considered the rest of the numbers to be, not just the rest of the numbers. So then you start to just get a distinction. You call those rationals and the irrationals. Okay. Then the same kind of thing happens when you accept that there are imaginary numbers. And then you say there's the real and the imaginary, or right. usually the complex. Yeah, I was just going to say. Because there's always a real... They split it. There's a real and an imaginary together, so they call it a complex. Talking about the meaning of the words, I'm talking about like a complex means two or more units.
1: Yeah. So are all real numbers also complex numbers then, since...
0: No, no, that's just the distinction that's all saying. So complex numbers are the numbers with real and imaginary. So... Essentially, even just an imaginary number like, say, i, it's just a zero plus i. See what I mean?
1: Can you, is zero i a complex number? Is that just
0: zero? Zero i works, the way you do multiplication like that is still zero. So zero times the square root of negative one will still be zero. Yeah, okay. So that's like when you say, this is, I guess, a better way to uh, say is what I was just talking about, but flip it. So you have a real number and you could say, oh, the complex form of the number three is three plus zero I, because the complex is just when you do that A plus B I. So you take the real and the imaginary, you put them together. Right. Because you can do that. Just like I can say one plus the square root of two is the silver ratio. There's no way to write that, you know, radical in a simpler way. It's one plus the square root of two. So, you're kind of combining that. Because that, uh, it is algebraic. So, the,
1: you're saying the complex numbers are algebraically expressed. You're, but pi wasn't. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: So, anyway, let's just get into the first mention, or could have been a potentially the first example of this guy popping up. And that was yeah, yeah, yeah. Huron of Alexandria. So, he's, he's the guy that had that. Uh, that steam engine that I told you about that was just, like, for looks.
1: Oh, yeah. He just yeah. made this, like,
0: this steam engine. Yeah.
1: Dude, that was so cool. It was, like... But,
0: yeah, he's got a whole How bunch do you even
1: cool conceive stuff. that kind of shit, like, at that time period? It's he so was, great.
0: He was all into f- making magic stuff, basically. He yeah. He would wow people with his uh, combining of this, you know, knowledge of different stuff. And he had... Uh, he really put a lot of time into these mechanical plays.
1: Kind of like Archimedes with Uh, that like uh, slingshot, or not slingshot, uh, crossbow tank thing that he had. He was like, check this out. And it's like basically a tank. But in that time period, it's like, how is this possible?
0: No, yeah, that was like he's trying to make some kind of like practical kind of stuff. He made a wind-powered organ. He's the opposite. He's using like ingenious stuff that we're going to use in the future in Jesus time, but yet, like this, like I was saying, he's spinning that uh, ball with two pipes because he heats water in the bottom and he's got a furnace thing going and then the thing goes up into a ball with two pipes on either side angled so that when the steam comes out, makes it spin. It's why? Because cool. he thought it looked cool. He was just like, look, I made this magic spinning ball thing. He's just like, I fire in am there.
1: Jesus. That's why.
0: There was this thing where he uh, he's hooked up some kind of counterweight system Uh, underneath, uh, so the big uh, doors for, like, the church would open up when they lit the altar. So Uh, And they lit it, then it would... gas? Yeah, because he had, like, uh, saying all kinds of crazy stuff, like that mechanical plays, they were, I think, run by like, bags of sand, and they had like, this intricate uh, notch system, where the rope was wound around this, uh, like, spindle. So as the, like, thing fell, it was slowly turning this thing, and making different things happen when he wanted them to. It was pretty so cool. So that this like m- this play would just happen on its own. Like, his little doors would open, and everybody would fill up the thing and watch him. So anyway, know, just because this okay, guy's okay, so yeah. cool, <laughs> that uh, he happened to be just playing around with, like, uh, an existing formula for a pyramidal frustrum, which is just, like, it's just a pyramid that's got its top chopped off.
1: What does that have to do with like complex? He
0: was playing around with the formula so that he could come up with like a formula for the height. So he would give it like the length measurements of the sides and the angle of the or the hypotenuse or whatever of this little truncated thing. And then by manipulating the volume formula, he made a height formula. And when he plugged in these random numbers that he was doing in his notebook, or in some scrolls that he got the square root of a negative sixty three for this oh. pyramid, and he was just like, "That's that doesn't work." His brain the exploded, answer, and he just He's left like, it. What? But he just left it square root of sixty three because of the whole negative thing. Right. He was just like, "I don't even know about this,"
1: which is basically the whole point of I.
0: So essentially, I think uh, if you look into it, like he was right in what he was doing. But he had created this convoluted formula where you could plug in stuff that was impossible. And if you got the square root of an imaginary, then of a negative, then that meant that that wasn't a real world pyramid thing. See what I mean? You couldn't choose the values Mm -hmm. that he chose. And that's why he got a bad thing out. So he didn't. He missed it. So the magical, mysterious beast is lost to the sands of time. So 1500 years later. Cipriani del Ferro in Bologna, Italy. This is uh, this is like fourteen sixty Bologna. Yes,
1: sounds like a lot of Bologna. Yep,
0: to me. that's Bologna. I know. So he's born there. He lives there. Off to a good start. He goes to the <laughs> Bologna University. He works there. You know what I mean? He's just all about it. But so is yeah. sort of the birthplace of this this next time that it, these guys crop up these really important uh imaginary guys because it's not just really i i is just i times anything and then it becomes all the other imaginary numbers you know five i
1: yeah because weren't people using the square root of negative one they just didn't name it no I that's what i'm saying Euler did.
0: they weren't using it at all it was gone oh, forever okay. he, there was just one thing where we found where like oh maybe this badass dude could have glimpsed into the realm of possibilities of imaginary numbers but no nowhere near even now stepped in the puddle and i'm mentioning him first on purpose because he's the first guy to really do it he called them i don't know i mentioned it later impossible numbers i think so he didn't respect them or Mm. think that and neither did the next people that we're going to talk about so it's going to take a while even now 1500 years later so here's uh just to mention, okay, so he's there, he lives there, he works there—that's his whole life. He's got a daughter, Philippa, which Mary uh, is named after his mother, and she marries this guy, Hannibal Nave. Now, this is important because he's mm-hmm. going to inherit all this guy's math works, all his notes and stuff, because he didn't—you don't publish like that's not how they rolled.
1: They didn't publish any of their if you, shit? If
0: you were a badass and you proved yourself to know how to do stuff, then you didn't have to publish your stuff. You kept it secret. And
1: okay. so we'll get to that. Well, how did they make money?
0: Well, he was a teacher. He's a professor. Oh, right, yeah. right, right, So it's just
1: like, y'all know I'm smart. It's polynomials, fine. right? Polynomials? When you say
0: X squared plus X plus a constant or X cubed plus X squared plus x, plus a constant. Those are polynomials. So a polynomial is an expression. (laughs) All right. So we, yeah, we have these uh, functions and sometimes we want to graph them. And we're going to talk about that, like the Cartesian plane, which is just your basic like x and y axis. So when you, when you're graphing these polynomials and you have like an x squared plus an x something, or maybe it's just a two x plus three, or maybe it's even just a y equals five. Now, that's not exactly a polynomial because that'd be a zero-degree polynomial. But if we did, we'd call that mm-hmm. like a constant function, right? And I just want to get mm-hmm. into the names, too, just like I did the names of the numbers. Uh, then you have okay. next up, you have like the MX plus B sort of guy, and he makes a line. What do you call that?
1: Like and a so linear So now you expression. basically
0: have a one-dimensional instead of when you're at zero-degree, You were at the constant function. Now you have one dimension, just like a line is one dimensional. Then you have the quadratic, right?
1: Quadratic, yeah. Now that sounds
0: like four, but actually quadrate comes from square originally. So four sides in a square, that's the quadrate. So that's, Mm -hmm. they're saying line to square to cubic. See what I mean? So it's one dimension, two dimension, three dimension.
1: So you have so, X, Y, and Z.
0: Because this is actually where it matters is when you get to the cubic level. That's what uh Chio de Ferro was working on was the cubic formula. So you remember the quadratic formula? Oh gotcha. everybody, right? You all remember. You don't all have to, you know, yes. recite it, but I know you all remember. But so you just
1: Unfortunately I do. You
0: plug in your coefficients, which are the numbers before the X's in your polynomial. In this case, it's the quadratic, so it's just two-dimensional so you have an x squared and then the x and then there's also another constant so you got three guys you just plug into this formula boop 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 it spits out the solutions the roots and what that is is if we're on the cartesian plane you're graphing it that's where it intersects on yeah. that x-axis but also from what we were talking about initially we were saying like x squared equals negative one to get our i yeah. Well, that's just where you solve for zero. So that's where they get like the solutions.
1: The complex plane is a different thing then than Yeah. What we're okay. Yeah,
0: we're not on the complex plane yet. I'm just we're we're going to just jump to that uh soon though. So okay. I could just get into that. But that's technically that's the future. That's not gonna come up for a long time. Future. See what I mean? Because they're not gonna respect <laughs> the existence of imaginary numbers until that's Gauss, I think, that comes up with that. OK, uh, so basically, if you know about the Cartesian plane, we're kind of just changing that and saying that you have the number line is the X axis. So those are the real numbers, negative. so left, right, right. And then yeah. on the Y axis now, Y becomes imaginary. So everything yep. is just multiplied by an I on the Y axis. And then it it seems like, oh, what is this? And they don't even use it right away. But it turns out to be like super useful. Yeah, But so at this point, we're just talking about how you have these different quadratics and uh, cubics, and it keeps going higher than that. But they had equations that like we used in school. And you could say, if I have the square root of this B squared minus AC for AC, then that will kind of determine how many solutions I'll have in the real Cartesian plane. Because if that square root uh, was imaginary, then there were none. And if it was zero, then there was only one.
1: So right. it's a way of sort of isolating your imaginary components almost.
0: Well, at this point, I'm just saying you're not even really, you don't care. When you just had the the basic one that we use in school, the quadratic, mm-hmm. and you have that square root of b squared minus 4ac, you don't yeah. care if it comes up negative because that's what happens whenever your parabola opens up and it's above the x-axis or it opens down and it's below the x-axis because oh, okay. there's no real Roots, and that's all we cared about. Just like Huron didn't give a crap. He was like, "Yeah, so this pyramid's got negative square roots. I don't even know what's going on."
1: Yeah, he's like, "I'm uh, just screwing around. No wrong. one even
0: asked me to do this. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. freaking making uh, weird bird whistling machines and stuff." He's, he's like,
1: crazy. "I thought this was gonna be fun. Uh, never mind.
0: This is just getting weird. But yeah, it's just it's worth mentioning. Uh, because he's a cool dude, and that he almost touched on it."
1: Yeah, he was close, but he so, just didn't. He didn't know.
0: So w- yeah, when he, this similar kind of thing, when many uh, students and scholars and everyone they were c- familiar with this uh, coming out of this formula and being like, yeah, well, whatever, can you get a cubic formula? And surely the same thing will happen. It'll give you all three roots, or if there's only one solution, it'll give you one. Mm-hmm. But what happened was a little bit different because it ended up being much more complicated, just like if you go to the next level, because after the cubic equation is the quartic from a quart, like a quarter or a quarter inch. Mm-hmm. So that's a fourth, and that's the fourth degree. Then you have quintic, which is oh, like a quintax, shit. is a one-fifth tax. So there's there's a sort of pattern there, but it's not exactly consistent throughout all the names. But either way... The reason why I mentioned these is because there is a quartic formula that they're going to work out uh very soon after they start unleashing this secret cubic formula that this guy's not telling anyone about. And then <laughs> there's actually no quintic formula. You can't have one.
1: Not a quintic.
0: Yeah, you can't make a quintic formula. You can't go one more level.
1: Because we're really so in the we? matrix and that's just not possible. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, it, there's, I guess, a bit of an issue here. When you start to make the uh, cubic equation, instead of just having the square root of this B squared thing, where it seems like, oh, okay, it's not that big of a deal, this mm-hmm. thing is more complicated and actually spits out nine numbers, even though, like I said, there can only be three correct answers. You basically, you just have to rule out some of the answers that you get out of it they are just wrong. In the cubic formula, instead of just having this one radical and some divide by, you know, 2a. It's not, th- it's not that simple. It's way more complicated. You have a cubed root, and then under that, you have some stuff and a square root with some stuff. And then you have a whole nother uh, cube root that you add to that that's that same thing but minus. So it's that same stuff minus the square root of stuff, but that's all inside. So you've got, like, squares inside of cubes. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Now that that becomes a problem, and this is actually why that uh, thing I was mentioning earlier, the Abel's impossibility theorem, says that polynomials higher than fourth degree are incapable of finite algebraic solution. You can't make a magical formula, even if you nest more radicals, because in the quintic, they have nested radicals within nested radicals. It's got so you know
1: why doesn't a it? A bunch work, of big.
0: Well, that one works in the Quintic if we just skip ahead because we're going to go back because we all we really care about is the cubic, but just okay. for fun. Soon after, they're going to f- work out this Quintic when they start getting hard about this stuff. And in that one, they have many big squares, many big square roots. And inside of that has a multiple cubes with its own nested squares just like it's got its own sort of cubic formula within a bunch of different square
1: roots so it's like a russian got three doll levels. of like yes square yeah. and
0: even more even more sets of russian dolls than the other one so you started out with like this pretty basic thing then you kind of do the same thing to come up with a cubic formula and if you start adding layers then you end up with these extra solutions and two sets of russian dolls that are kind of like conjugates of each other And then next you end up with a bunch of like triple layered Russian dolls. And then basically, if you try and go any further, not possible.
1: It almost sounds a little bit like Mandelbrot, a little. It's like, whoa, trippy. Well,
0: Mandelbrot is technically, uh, it's not in the notes, but I mean, Mandelbrot is in the complex plane. So it is all about complex numbers.
1: Oh, shit. Mandelbrot
0: set. Uh, But anyway, right now we're just talking about this uh, impossibility theorem just kind of for fun. Because yeah. all we really care about is this cubic formula that Scipiano was just kind of, like, keeping in his back pocket for no reason. Just because, like, he was, like, already established, didn't care. And uh, so his son-in-law uh, wasn't really a mathematician, so he just, like, held on to it. He was like, whatever. But there's these math duels, you know, these contests where you exchange, like, an exam so you can prove that you're a better mathematician than one of your...
1: Oh, yeah. I've heard of those and like they used to get pretty rowdy.
0: So this guy, uh this guy uh, Tartaglia, he's pretty serious and he has a contest in 1535 ironically with one of Del Ferro's students, uh, Antonio Maria Foà. But so this this guy whips out the cubic formula, right? So okay. people start hearing about it and they there's this guy who's already, you know, way into it, his uh, Girolamo Cardano. Now, he's a he's a physician. Oh, Girolamo, he's great. He's a mathematician, <laughs> and you'll love this. He's an astrologer.
1: Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Legit he's shit. a
0: well-renowned astrologer, way into it. So this is 1501, <laughs> he was born. Born a, the bastard son of a mathematician, a great mathematician, friend of Leonardo da Vinci. Said to have uh, uh, helped him sometimes he would, uh, you know, bounce stuff off of him. Hell yeah. But he but he was a bastard and he was a loudmouth arrogant prick. Is what they say. Sounds
1: about right. It sounds and like where that this. would come from.
0: <laughs> Speaking of that whole uh, astrology thing, he spent several years in prison for heresy when calculating the horoscope of Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> was Jesus a Scorpio? <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't know if he even like got that far. Or what he said, I don't know. They burned all his results, I guess, and like he was like ruined from then on. And guess what? His son like ratted on him. He was like he helped the prosecution, and I guess like one of the damn. things is he becomes an e-
1: fucking he savage, doing
0: crazy stuff. Then uh, his son becomes an executioner, and his daughter God, a prostitute.
1: <laughs> his son must have been the Scorpio then. <laughs>
0: His son later gets executed for poisoning his wife.
1: Damn. That's some fucked up <laughs> family guy, values right there.
0: Right. But this guy, the bastard son with the horrible family, he invented the cardin shaft, which is like a drive shaft in cars, you know? And uh mm-hmm. he pioneered a bunch of like probability theory. Cause it didn't like exist at the time, but he was he was like a gambling addict and uh and he was also like into like spiritual like justice of the of the gambling or something, so I don't know he somehow <laughs> started like, working out, yeah, like by being a crazy motherfucker, he was started working out like legit gambling, but yeah, here's a quote, oh, uh, to shit, get the greatest advantage from gambling, don't gamble at all,
1: yeah, you'll do that,
0: but yeah, he said to like you know have done some stuff like he's pretty cool, but for our purposes, he just got really into this thing that was going on, this contest because he was mm-hmm. looking into this stuff and he wanted to know the cubic. So he sort of makes a deal. Uh, he swears to Tartaglia that he won't give up uh, the formula. He just, like, he wants to know it.
1: Yeah. and Obviously and a he lie. he tells him. He was bluffing. But,
0: he, <laughs> but here's the thing, though. He researches it more, and he gets back to that guy I was talking about earlier, the Hannibal Knave,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: Chiappone uh, de Ferro's son-in-law. Son-in-law, So he yeah. shows this Gerolamo. He's like check it out. Here's the like same thing all elegantly s- spelled out and and everything. And he's like, "Oh, well that that means I can put it in my book now." So, he's like, <laughs> right? Um, so he publishes no. this Ars Magna 1545 and Cardano mentions Tartaglia and Scipione de Ferro. And uh
1: I knew it was In these
0: impossible numbers, when you use the cubic formula, there's sometimes these impossible numbers. And later, not these guys, because this guy, you know, he's kind of batshit. But later they realized that some of these obvious real solutions that you could actually write an equation where you could figure out the, because it's just four, is one of the answers. It's like so easy. It's just four. And then when you plug it in, it ends up being square roots of negative numbers under mm-hmm. cube roots. But the thing is, if you just carry on, it will be four because it's always... Plus this thing, and then the other side's minus that same thing. So when you have that, you end up with these uh, plus and minus the same imaginary number on the two things. And then they cancel, and you end up with a positive. So this is why it actually mattered that the negative square roots in the formula came out to be real solutions.
1: Because they canceled themselves out.
0: They were just like, that's weird. Like, this is uh, impossible numbers that work out to a strange, magical dink. So, you know what I mean? But Cardano is making it mainstream because Tartaglia brought it out of the darkness.
1: Yeah, and then they have to rethink a lot of their proofs and concepts that they, all of their life's work is probably built upon. So they're like, get the fuck out of here. You know?
0: Yeah, but it's just the next step to allow their their work to open up. It's actually a good thing if something yeah. is discovered in your era, in your area, in your era. Then now you have a big open door for everyone in your field to go out and and explore. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It
0: new grounds gives
1: you something new. Yeah, new to landscapes. Discover. I feel like it's kind of hard to picture sometimes, like how you would graph imaginary numbers. It's like what. It's hard to, like, grasp it almost because of the name inherently, like, makes you think of something that is not there. So, you know, that's how they're graphed is they separate that and they add the imaginary component to the Y. So that's how they Yeah, but graphed. they,
0: on the complex plane, like, the numbers behave differently, though.
1: Right, yeah.
0: So, it, I mean, it's not the most horrible thing in the world, I guess, to call them imaginary numbers. But you have to understand, like I was saying, where we are right now, They don't even believe in these things at all.
1: Yeah. They are completely,
0: not. they're not even named imaginary yet, but like that would just be like, yep, sounds about right. They're just.
1: No, they're literally imaginary at this point.
0: Yeah. They're impossible, ridiculous little tricks that are uh, considered to be only for messing with that uh, cubic formula.
1: Yeah. They're totally being haters.
0: So, yeah, he's got that Ars Magna. He mentions those guys. He mentions his own student, Cardano's student, Lodovico Ferrari. He's got the Quartic formula. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to actually be worked out for until the end of the century by Simon Stephen because there's like special cases. The Quartic is like a monster of a beast on a beast. So, you know. Mm hmm. It's gonna take them a while to do that, but like once like the floodgates, I guess, are kind of open at this point, and they're like they're working out those formulas, and then that uh, soon after, I think they realize that there's actually maybe no quintic formula, and so they're looking at these uh, complex conjugates and how they can actually work out two real solutions, and that's how you get that obvious cubic uh, root. And mm-hmm. Rafael Bombelli, he publishes a book in. 1572, the year he died. So he was there during all this stuff when Cardano was writing the book and and they were all about it. So this is is the year he dies, 1572, when they published this book entitled Algebra, where he talks about complex number theory. And I got these excerpts from the book because I think they're quite interesting. The first one here is just super obvious. Basically, it's a positive times a positive equals a positive. But he says... Plus times plus makes plus. Minus times minus makes plus.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, goes on for a while. And then then later, there's a part about the complex numbers. And he calls them plus of minus. So that means I. But there's no I. See what I mean? Hmm. So this is how he's just writing this out.
1: Yeah, he's like describing it. He's like using math language.
0: Yeah, they're just words, not even uh, signs. So now he says plus of minus by plus of minus makes minus. So he's saying the I times I makes negative. And then plus of minus by minus of minus. So an I and a negative I makes Hmm. plus. So you've got a negative negative one makes a plus one. If they were Hmm. just basic I, but he's just saying plus and minus. So who knows? Those could be kind of like A plus B I. Yeah. Interesting. So it's definitely very interesting and also if you take it literally in the beginning when he's talking about the real numbers and stuff plus plus and plus makes a plus well a positive times a positive isn't always a positive as you can see as a later chapter in his book. Imaginary numbers are a fine and wonderful refuge of the divine spirit, almost an amphibian between being and non-being.
1: High praise.
0: Doesn't it just soothe the soul? All right. So, yeah, he didn't know what he was talking about, but Leonhard (laughs) Euler, he did. He was cracking into that imaginary secret realm where others didn't even dream to go. There was many that were like, don't even think about that as being a place that you can go. But at this point, it's just like, hey, what if I plug an eye into this function?
1: Is Euler's identity a polynomial because is taking, you know, E to an imaginary power considered a polynomial? What happens
0: What happens is uh, we're going to, like, plot this on that complex plane. And what you just get is a unit circle on the complex plane.
1: Right, right. Yeah, we were talking about this.
0: And that ends up being incredibly handy in a lot of different things. To be able to uh, relate this e to the ix, this Euler's formula, to sine and cosine.
1: Yes. So it's like bringing them all together in this one formula, which technically isn't it like... What's the more popular, you think, version of it? Just e to the i pi or theta Um, or yes, to the people i pi will, plus one. People will certainly
0: zero. be familiar with uh, e to the pi i equals negative one.
1: Okay, yeah. Or plus one equals zero. Right.
0: And plus one equals zero if if you uh wish, but that's actually just shifting it around because you like it to look that way. Because yeah. in reality, the the formula that's just when you plug in pi for x, basically. The formula is e to the i x or e to the i theta. Yeah, we're going to use X is going to be a cosine of that same variable X plus I times the sine of that X.
1: Right. And that's where it gets really cool. And if you write out the expanded series for the sine and the cosine, then it kind of all fits in really nicely. And it's like, wow, Uh,
0: if. If you don't think that's too mathy, I'll explain that real quick. Yeah. Uh, it might be too about, mathy, but yeah. Well, without talking... I'm going to just talk about derivatives for a second. You don't have to know what that is, but uh, it's we're not going to get into the whole Taylor McLaurin series thing or whatever, but...
1: Oh, man.
0: <laughs> you're, that's where it comes from, and when you're doing yeah. that thing, it's all about taking the derivatives of your function again and again and again, and then having a factor that you put back in there that gets you back. But that's not that important because what's important is the similarities. So Mm -hmm. when you uh, take the derivative of sine, you get cosine, right? If you take the derivative of cosine, what do you get? Negative sine.
1: Negative sine, yeah. So
0: if you you just keep taking the derivative, 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 then you just keep going back and forth between those two pretty Mm -hmm. much, except for now you've created a negative sine. That becomes negative cosine, but then it goes back to sine. So it's just like a four...
1: Well, yeah, just to be clear, you're taking flip, the derivative yeah. because that's how you, that's the yep. formula you follow to make the Taylor series or McLaurin series. Because
0: that's just the, yeah, and that's, you take the Which second, the, the third, thing. the fourth derivative. And that's just the nature of sine is that it goes back and forth uh, with its derivatives between cosine, sine, yeah. negative sine. And then, and then so obviously sine, cosine is going to do cosine, the same or? thing, but with a slightly different alternating negative. And uh, just you're going to start with a cosine, then the derivative is going to be a negative sign. So it's basically the, the which two, is where I comes what, you're call, what you're talking about, are going to look about the same, but alternating. And when you yeah. look at e to the x, it has a very similar property, which is that its derivative is e to the x. Yep. So every time you do e to the x, it's e to the x. So all these factors I was talking about in the beginning that make the Taylor series work, that you have to do the factorials and stuff, th- those don't matter because they're all going to be the same. Because we're all just taking the derivative of ourself and getting back to pretty much the same thing. You know what I mean? There's no extra terms. Yeah. So it's pretty much, it's the exact same pattern, but that one's more complicated, alternating back and forth, and it's got these negatives. Well, it turns out that's exactly what happens when you exponentiate i. It's not just i squared is negative one. Negative one times i is negative i, which we already talked about that's yep. also i cubed, because the negative one was the i squared. So i cubed is just the negative i, you add another i, and you get uh, back down. And it's basically, you could go back to that, uh, the plane, the complex plane, if you, any time you multiply by i, you just rotate uh, 90 degrees uh, counterclockwise. So if you're starting at one, or you started at i, that was up top, Then Mm -hmm. you go to the left. That's negative one. Then you go. That's negative i. Then you keep just going around in a circle.
1: And then one. It
0: just because every time you multiply by i, it goes around a circle. Or if you like the algebra, whatever. So it's doing the same thing with the negative, negative, positive, 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 negative, negative, positive, positive. With the the sine and cosine are doing. It's just that i is now factored into there to every other term. Because it was one, then i, then a negative, then a negative i, then one, then i, then so there's i every other term, every two other terms. And so it just combines perfectly if you look at it through that lens of that uh, McLaurin expansion.
1: Yeah, I thought that the McLaurin expansion was a great way to really see like the beauty of I almost. The amphibious property. I think it's just
0: the fact that uh, thinking about it like it's a circle in the uh, complex plane when you plot E to the IX Mm -hmm. And you you use the complex plane. It's just a circle. And then when you look at uh, the unit circle and you look at any point on it, it's just sine of that and uh, cosine of that for the X and the Y. And as we said, Y represents I on the imaginary plane. So it's, you know what I mean? To me, it's just like it's the unit circle on the complex plane. So that yes. means that the sine of whatever my angle X is going to be that I part. And the cosine is going to be that uh, X part. Yeah, exactly. Which is the real part, the X part.
1: The X is the real so and the Y. So why is, is this
0: important, you might ask, I guess?
1: Why? Tell us why.
0: Well, it's uh, mostly I'd say it's about the Fourier transform which is anything that has waves in it, because the Fourier transform is going to decompose that wave or maybe even uh, compose the wave, or you could use that to more easily uh, change the modulation or do a time shift. Yes, yes. This is, uh, okay, so 1822, we've got Joseph Fourier. Let's just say that because that's the name of the thing.
1: When Euler sort of came up with I, it, did he use the Euler's identity is that the first time that he used it or had he messed around with it before that and then like officially published his identity with i in it
0: This is after he but he wasn't directly using the Euler formula that I think comes a little bit later he's looking okay. more at, at 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 trig it's more about trig so he shows that
1: gotcha.
0: uh wave functions could be written as a sum of harmonics so if you have this this strange wave function that is naturally just a bunch of sine and cosine waves, and yeah. he was like, "This is how you could extract those other sine, those other waves that make up this thing." And in nature, that or like if you played a guitar chord or something, it's got these separate frequencies that are all combining to yeah. make this uh, one complex wave that I'm like interpreting like an electromagnetic with my ears. wave. And no, those as well. Um, and also, there's the Schrodinger's equation, Schrodinger's equations about uh, wave yeah. functions and uh, quantum mechanical systems.
1: Yeah, and I was going to so, ask you a question about that too, actually, because that's kind of oh, well. My we can jam. get to
0: that one after, because I guess okay. I still want to say what's up with this Fourier transform and that it's in uh, all kinds of stuff, like it's in the current, like. Uh, the ac as power as well as like fluid dynamics but uh gps mm-hmm. mri facial recognition uh whenever you're watching a video or right now when you're using the audio or we're recording the audio when you do like compression and all that stuff it, it it's i guess at first like i was saying didn't use that uh e to the i necessarily but that was just when you're doing the math but then when you start thinking like how can we use this thing mm-hmm. in a practical way then you realize that when you use this formula the e to the i then you get to do a lot of cheap little tricks to make the computing way smaller
1: okay because that was actually my question
0: it's kind of hard to explain honestly
1: yeah so i was gonna ask like whenever i'm doing my schrodinger equations like basically we'll get a wave function And without going too far into Schrodinger, because it's really complicated and I don't even fully understand, you know, that whole thing. But I know that you often will separate. It's apparently useful. And I've asked you this question before, because when we were working on it, I was Uh. like a little bit confused. Sometimes when I just do the formula, I lose that conceptual part of it, which institutionalized education gotta love it but um
0: uh I like think there's why a way is that important
1: to separate sorry to separate the complex from the real part of the wave function like what significance is that and why does it make it easier in mathematics to take e to an imaginary power
0: yeah i'd say it's more about how that's Im- uh, important in mathematics and how it makes it easier because there is There are two things that you're looking at. So if you wanted to mimic it without complex numbers, you could, but you would have to make it so that you were separating the two different cases in another way. You know what I mean? You'd have to have a a separate algorithm where you did this for this case and this for that case so that you were essentially just separating the real and imaginary, and you could just recombine them at the end anyway. So the key is Mm -hmm. really not that you have to do this thing but that when you do this thing it it gives you special tricks and i will say one of the uh reasons is the roots of unity which is uh they're they're basically taking uh they're separating points around that uh unit circle and then mm. they're picking those points to try and solve the polynomial so it's got coefficients now and okay, they're yeah. making it uh, in a way that they can easily pick points and solve all the other points because they're complex numbers perfectly distributed in the circle. And that, okay. and so they're the complete. The computations are very simple, and so they only really have to do like one or two difficult, I guess, calculations to start to work out uh, and go one way or the other in the transformation. Hmm. versus if you were trying to use the sine and and cosine formula or whatever.
1: It's just, yeah, I guess my question is more like, why? Why do we, why is it better? Like, why is it a trick? Like, what's, you know what I mean? Like, what makes it easier? I'd, I'd say it, it all comes
0: that. from that original thing I was saying, how they don't behave uh, like normal uh, numbers when you're in the complex plane. When you're multiplying by an I, you're rotating to the mm. left ninety degrees every time you, you multiply by an I. And every time you multiply by a complex number, you know, you could take the angles and look at the uh magnitude, which is just the square root of their conjugate multiplied. Like you could do yeah. little tricks to manipulate it around, but uh I don't know. It all it all goes back to that ability to multiply by I flips it around, which is why it becomes a circular function and why it can be used to represent all these sinusoidal waves. Yeah. So it, it naturally has that property when you when you uh, do it algebraically, but when you look at it, I guess, as an actual coordinate, then it starts to really come together and mimic this other thing that was much more complicated the way we were calculating mm-hmm. it. They just, I don't know. its I guess it's really complicated stuff, but it opens up uh, shortcuts.
1: Okay, and yeah. And we just that's utilize like...
0: that stuff a million times a second. We're just utilizing the crap out of these little shortcuts.
1: Yeah, and it so seems it like... So it would make
0: things so much more difficult.
1: It, yeah, it made me confused at first when I was using it because... I was presented, it was presented to me as if it was like this shortcut. And it was like, yeah, you know, we're going to use these, we're going to use Euler's formula, and then the wave functions are going to be way easier to work with, guys. And then it's like way more work when I'm doing it because I have to separate the real and the imaginary components. And like you said, you know, multiply by the complex conjugate, which when you have a really long wave function, that could be really complicated. I'm like, is this a shortcut, guys? But yeah. You know, that's why I was confused. I definitely understand like what you were saying earlier with, you know, the fact that I or complex numbers allow solutions to all polynomial equations. That's more of like a straightforward answer to like, what's the point in this thing? Like, that makes sense. You know, it's got a clear purpose there. But as far as like Euler's formula, it's yeah, I just don't see it that clean cut right away. You know?
0: Well, I mean, it's like looking at the Mandelbrot uh, fractal zoom. You might, I'm sure some people have seen that and they're like, oh, it's beautiful. But if I tell you, oh, well, that's on the complex plane, it's not immediately obvious how that makes any sense at all.
1: Yeah. It's, you're able to do things that you can't do with real numbers, I guess. Can you graph imaginary numbers without having a real component?
0: That's the uh, y-axis is all the... Imaginary numbers plus zero. So on mm-hmm. the complex plane, everything on the y axis has no real part, but it's on the complex plane.
1: I don't know. It's just like hard to imagine this imaginary complex plane.
0: I mean, I, here's one thing. I don't know if you realize this, but like you could graph the complex inputs and uh, outputs from one to the other, but you would have to have like a bunch of. You'd basically need a four dimensional graph to
1: hmm. of like a why uh, would you like, need four you dimensions? To,
0: because like whenever you want to plug in a number for like f of x or say mm-hmm. f of z or whatever, I'm supposed to give it an A plus B I. Yeah. So I can't when I when you normally you go to put a point on a two dimensional graph, you go, okay, here's my X, here's my output. Yeah. You know, here's my input, here's my output. That's your x, that's your y. There's a point. I'm saying here's my input, it's got an a and a b i. So my input is a two-dimensional thing.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I understand. So
0: basically, my my left, what you could do is have two two-dimensional things, and on the left one you're going to fill in all the points systematically somehow on the entire uh plane, and then that will create a series of like pictures in two dimensions on the other graph as you as you systematically fill in every complex point, or you could have like a four dimensional thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So really, it's more accurate to say that like they're an extension of real numbers. Really,
0: and on like the number line like that. If you're thinking about it in those sort of terms, which there's no reason to think about numbers in those sort of terms, like. They exist outside of this realm. Like all this X squared polynomial stuff or whatever, this clearly exists all outside of all that. It's in the functions of all the waves. So it's, you know what I mean? It's more than that.
1: Yeah. It's like almost, it was there the whole time really. You know, like the yeah, order. Yeah, it's parent. not like
0: it. It existed in some place behind the number line. Like the number line is the made-up thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're just trying to define something that's amphibious.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an amphibian. Where, like, it's kind of like the negative number thing. So they didn't like the negative numbers, and honestly, they don't make as much logical sense as the counting numbers. I'm mm-hmm. like, how many people are, are talking right now? Just the two of us. And right. I, I know one thing is that I am think, therefore, I am. That's one. <laughs> but what about negative? You start saying, oh, I owe Alora money. <laughs> or a negative times a negative. Like, I owe five less people $5 now. So I just lost five times five debt. What's going on? I've got plus 25 now, I guess. You're poor. Like, I don't know, it starts to make... The negative numbers you have to add a little tidbit in there; they start to seem a little bit more froofy doofy, and yeah. that's just going to the left, like square root of two is irrational, but at least it's real. They're both basically the same thing,
1: the especially if you write them like I? that
0: yeah if you especially if you write them like square root of two, square root of negative one
1: right it's like two, you said it depends numbers. on how you are trying to define it, I guess, and that comes up like a lot, I feel like in mathematics. There's different ways to describe something, different ways to define it, and different ways to relate it to other things. Kind of like sign, like our e,
0: or like yeah. our e we were just talking about. You can exactly you can define it and and come up with that same number in uh, several different ways. But right. at the end of the day, people are going to say that e is real, even though it's actually uh, non-algebraic. Mm-hmm. It's still more real than this square root of negative one. But yet I can just write square root of negative one. I don't have to write a formula, you know, to tell you what E is. To say, oh, it's the, you know, inverse of the reciprocals or whatever. No, mm-hmm. it's, uh, oh, you have to do some compound interest continually. No, it's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the square root of negative one. I just, whoop, there it is.
1: Seems real so, to me. Oh, it's,
0: Seems real to me. At least it's algebraic. I don't know. So.
1: Well, we figured it out. It's real. Yeah, I if, wrote it down. It's if, real. It's there.
0: Yeah. If if you were like, how much of this do you want? I was like, can I get E? Can I get E of that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> how many, how many coffees do you want? Uh, just, just give me E. It's fine. They just oh, give, eye you, to the like, eye.
0: give me Oh, I to the I. Give me I to the I. I'd be like, what is this? I asked for 0.208. <laughs> No, actually, it's funny. That would be the the nerdiest
1: shit anyone's ever done, and it would be amazing. It's kind of cool, though.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like you can can do 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 the square root of i as well.
1: Square root of i. Square root of i.
0: Yeah, the fourth root of negative one. And what's that? E to the pi over 4i. It's imaginary.
1: Oh, okay. So you used uh, Euler's formula for that too?
0: Yeah. It's pretty cool. All right. So we've got this imaginary unit. It's the square root of negative one. When you square it, you get negative one. This is where the complex numbers come from. And it all really starts with this cubic formula Mm -hmm. in Italy from Scipione di Ferro and all these other Italians that are involved. Hey. uh, hey, a meatballs. (laughs) And they spin that baby up and they keep slurping on it for a long time until eventually it starts to really see the light of day and they turn it into something truly magical around the 17th, 18th century. And then that allows for a lot of the modern technological devices really uh one of the most important algorithms in the world and this yeah. is all made possible because of i and uh it looks just like Euler's formula and some of this stuff with that e slippery the I oily boy <laughs> and pie up there and also there's that i in the other uh equation so you're going to deal with uh Complex numbers and quantum mechanics and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And really it's it's in all kinds of stuff and probably more things to come, you know. Can't underplay the power of the imagination.
1: Yes. It rears its ugly eye. eye, <laughs> eye. It's, it's
0: got a, a uh <laughs> eye patch, I guess. Some one eye.
1: <laughs> all right, well. Thanks for listening, guys. This was uh, Off the Beaten Math, and today's episode was on the constant I, the square root of negative one. Catch us next time for a brand new episode on an exciting new constant. Peace out.
0: See you guys. Come back next time. <laughs>